Well, it's very nice to address you when we finish one. Um, really happy with all the guys. Thought offensively showed a lot of poise, a lot of guts. You know, uh, giving the lead back up and then taking it back. Then finally, defensively um, finishing it out at the at the end. Um, again, offensively, we can talk about turnovers. We can talk about penalties. But again, we we made plays to win the game. You know, putting that many points on the board, you should win the game. Defensively, we're still a work in progress, but I like the fact that we're in here celebrating and we're making better. Can't be happier for anybody than Jamel Dean. Wins the game. Last week, he's the GOAT. He's going to be a hell of a player. All those young kids in the secondary are getting better and better. So I thought the pass rush really showed up in the fourth quarter, and it's what we needed. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! When you hear the sound of the drum, we'll be saying, here we go. You're missing out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are coming at you today for episode number 81. And it's finally time to talk about a Tampa Bay Buccaneer victory. Four losses in a row. The Buccaneers come back home to Raymond James Stadium and they beat the Arizona Cardinals 30-27 to improve their record to 3-6 on the season. Welcome back to the show. If you're new around here, I am your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Normally joining me is Evan Wanish, but he's going to be missing the next few shows because he'll be in Florida all week on vacation. He'll actually be at the New Orleans game next week as well. So joining me today is a very special guest and a guy we've been trying to get on the show for a while. You know him as Guru Speaks, host of the Guru Speaks podcast, and I believe one half of the Stir the Pot podcast. Guru, how are you doing today, my man? Oh man, great intro, bro. I'm I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you filling in and let's talk about this great Buccaneers team win. So, coming into this game, like I had mentioned, you lose 4 in a row. That's not going to do any team any favors. And right. uh things were looking grim for the Bucks. Now, this contest was different because, as we mentioned, they're coming back home after probably one of the most brutal road trips in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come home, step up to the challenge of a, a rookie quarterback who's played fairly well. And um, 
Just an Arizona team that was also just as hungry for a win. Uh, they were at 3-5-1 and one headed into the game. Now they're 3-6-1, and one, so I think the Bucks did pretty much put the nail in the coffin when it comes to Arizona's playoff hopes. But overall, a solid team win and just something that the Buccaneers were more than overdue for. Yeah, man, it was it was a, a it was a great win. Um, all three components of the game, bro. I, I'm I'm very happy we we didn't you know lose hope and, and and like get deflated and our morality got low. We we fought to the bitter end, man, and and that's what it's all about, man. A lot of a lot of guys <clears throat> leaders chose to step up, and you know whenever you do that, that's a recipe for a win, man. Yeah, it's really nice because uh, the common theme with what was heard around the locker room yesterday regarding the game was everybody has everybody's back. And it seemed right. like the mentality of this Bucks team over the time that B.A. has been head coach has resulted in everybody having everybody's back and holding people accountable. accountable. Right. And, of course, we've, uh, we've got some key players we'll talk about here in a few moments that did just that. But let's open things up with our stats recap. Of course, the first person we have to talk about is our quarterback, Jameis Winston. Now... Yes. I'm going to throw out this stat line. And <laughs> let me just throw out the stat line first. So on his day, 30 for 48, 358 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. When you look at that stat line on the box score, obviously people want to allude to a bad Jameis Winston day. And I'm not going to say it was good. Like there's not really any defending, um, at least the first interception thrown. The first right. interception thrown was just a bad throw, bad read. The corner ended up undercutting the route, and it picked off. He tried to target Chris Godwin. The second interception was a tipped ball up in the air. Defender came down with it. Not much you can do in that situation. But aside from those two interceptions, I would say a solid day throwing the ball for Jameis Winston, especially in the second half. He looked sharp, and he was slinging it left and right. Now, those two picks, again... You're not going to want those because he still leads the NFL with interceptions tied with Baker Mayfield. I think 12 on the year, but yeah, I don't know. I think a solid performance for Jameis overall, uh, discounting those two interceptions. What do you think? Um, I would have to agree with you, man. You know, I just from from the body of work thus far, even up into this game. You know, if you take away the interceptions, man, he's having his best career season yet. You know, and I tell people all the time because you know. The fan base, you know, every everybody's in the middle. Some some are, you know, wanting to move on. Some are stuck in the middle. Some people are just saying, hey. But I tell people all the time, pull up the numbers, man, and you'll see definitely that this guy has potential to turn the corner. It just just got to uh, alleviate, alleviate the turnover. So yesterday was a great game by him. Like I said, you take – away the two picks one of them even wasn't his fault really you can't do anything right. about a tip pass um he, he just looked very focused and um one thing i do respect about james man he doesn't really get too down on himself he does make a mistake he he does look forward to the next series or the right. next play so that's what i really respect and you have to have that as an nfl quarterback you can't just hang your head because there's also um, you have 10 other guys on the field that's depending on you to, hey, hey, man, get us together. Let's get this first down or let's let's get this touchdown. And then, you know, he came down. Uh, we, we marched down the field fairly easy. 
on the Cardinals defense, and you know we ended up uh, getting a W, man. So I'm I'm very happy about his performance, bro. Yeah. Um, and like you had brought up, Jameis, his ability to bounce back and not let the mental of the game really get to him, you got to commend him for it, especially Absolutely. someone who you know, has thrown the amount of interceptions that he has. I, I think Jameis is the best quarterback in the league at just bouncing back, clearing his head, and saying, all right, let's go out there and let's get this again. So let's go. Right. <laughs> you look at his performance on Sunday, okay for the most part, but here's another thing. Pretty sure he led the team in – actually, no, he didn't lead the team in rushing. But he had three rushes for 40 yards. And the one yes. run that pops into my head is a crucial run on third and 12, deep in Bucks territory. He took it, couldn't find a read, went to the left, picked up 20 yards, and it was a first down Tampa Bay Buccaneer saving the drive. So yes. he did look very comfortable in the pocket. He looked smart. He tucked it and runned it when he should have. Um, right. So – you know, two interceptions aside, I'm happy with his performance on Sunday. Let's hope he can get it together as they've got the New Orleans uh, New Orleans Saints coming to town next week. So want to see him get that <laughs> consistency together. But if he can have another performance, um, maybe with less interceptions next week, I'll be happy because right now I think it's a safe bet that he'll be here in Tampa Bay next year. Another right. big day for some guys on defense. Let's talk about this guy right here, Jamel Dean at quarterback. Four pass breakups and one interception that pretty much saved the game for Tampa Bay. What a bounce back game for Jamel Dean. If you look up the definition of comeback, it's <laughs> going to have Jamel Dean's picture right next to it. What did you think of his performance on Sunday? Oh, man, it was, you know, it was like the perfect, the perfect ending, man, because he had been having a, you know, a tough couple games. Even last week they were picking on him. Um, going to, if I'm not mistaken, he was guarding Lockett, correct? Yep, Lockett, Lockett and Metcalf pretty much a split. Uh, he gave up a big touchdown to Metcalf when he just got yeah. gassed. And then uh, they had Lockett <laughs> beating him up as well. Yeah, man. So, you know, he had he had to pretty much, you know, kind of like redeem himself. And it, it wasn't too pretty this game either, but he actually, you know, pulled it together at the end, man. And once again, we just talked about, you know, having that amnesia. Okay, shake it off. You know, I, everybody has a job to do, and I'm going, going to do my best to do mine. And, man, like when he got that pick at the end to seal the game, it was like, okay, this is my stance. I should be a starter um, going forward here. And I, I think I got to – I've earned a lot of respect for him because I was one of those guys, uh, even though he has a small sample size for us, but I was like shaking my head. I was like, man, ah, we, we have to look elsewhere. He's not it, but you know, hopefully from yesterday and going forward, he can be able to um, put, put a good body of work together and play some good defense, man, because I do see the potential in him. Yeah. And I mean, looking at his game on Sunday, like you said, wasn't the prettiest of games, but at the end of the day, he made more good plays than bad plays, and that's what's important. Right. Because against Seattle, he had his good plays and he had his bad plays, and his bad plays were really bad. But against Arizona, he made more good plays than bad, if you kind of follow what I'm trying to say. But, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, for him to step up, especially with the pressure that he was under, uh, not only getting his first career start last week, but continuing that this week, He's also a rookie, so you got to commend him because he's looking pretty solid for a rookie. Still got some cleaning up to do, but really hope he can pick up the pace because he has looked good, especially yesterday Yeah, uh, from what he showed us. 
Now, another guy on that defense. We're going to go over two more, and then we'll jump into some of the headlines from this game. Another guy on that defense that deserves all the credit in the world is linebacker number 54, Levante oh, David. Eight man. tackles and a forced fumble on the day. Yes. That forced fumble, by the way. Let me let me throw this side note out there. That forced <laughs> fumble, the referees tried to screw us three weeks in a row by oh, ruling man. the runner down by contact, and we made sure that wasn't going to happen. Yes. And luckily it didn't, but a huge day for Levante. And it, what else can you say? I, I mean, Levante David, he is up there with the likes of Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, and he gets zero respect simply because he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And it's a shame right. because he yep. has been – a highlight of this defense all season long. I think he's playing his best season so far. Yeah, man. When you when you when you talk about just consistency, man, as far as somebody that does their job, uh, you know, week in week out, you, you got to talk about Vontae David, man. And it's funny because my that's like my, my mom's favorite player, <laughs> and it's like, man, he does his job and he does it well, bro. Every week. If, if nobody else on our defense will show up, you can count on him, you know, to and, and that it's a special reason why he has the C on his chest. Yep. And it shows when he makes plays like that, bro. And, you know, he's I love his game. He's like a bloodhound for the football. He's everywhere. Even when you don't think he's around, he's around, whether it be his own solo tackles or an assist. He's there, bro. So yesterday was just a testament to his great game. And his great body of work since he stepped in this league and and and, and uh, got drafted by us. And man, I, I think Vontae is on his way to being a Hall of Famer. And I'm not even being biased because this is my team, but it, you know, put he has the the, the 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 stats, he has the 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 game, and it's just like you said, bro. He doesn't get the respect because he's in a small market, right? But hey, man. Uh, a good player is a good player. I don't care if they play Tampa or, or Alaska. You know, you can't deny somebody's impact on their team. Yeah. But a great day for Levante David. And, yeah, like you said, he's that silent leader who just comes out every week, and he just does his job, man. He locks in when it's game time, and he goes out there and he does what he does best. And that, like you said, has a nose for a football. And, of course, his sideline-to-sideline side speed, he is a great asset to that defense and a great game for him on Sunday. Now, yes. one last guy we're going to go over that stood out to me from Sunday. He doesn't have an explosive stat line. It's not going to jump out at you, but as soon as I say this name, you're going to know exactly why I brought him up, and that is Jason Pierre-Paul. Only yeah. three tackles on the day for JPP, but literally every other reason is why he's on this list right now. His game on Sunday and the way that he interacted with his teammates – is exactly why he needs to be a Buccaneer next season. Like, there's no there's no disputing it. The natural leadership ability that he has to really get out there and light a fire under his team's ass is unmatched. The way he yes. was on the sideline. I think Fox was talking about it on their TV broadcast. Uh, there was this clip of him blowing up on the sideline because the defense had made a stop. And I... I don't even think it was necessarily because the defense had made a stop. I think he was freaking out because of how bad the secondary was. But right. the fact that he will be the first person to get in someone's face when they could have done more and hold them accountable is exactly what this defense needs. And yes. sure, maybe it's a bit extreme for some people, but I think it's perfect. I think he's a testament to at least what this defense in the front seven-wise has put on the field, even though he's only been playing 
for what three weeks now, two weeks. So yeah. for him to come back, pick up the pace three weeks in and just continue to be a leader vocal and through example, I like this guy. He's got to be a buck, but he had a great game on Sunday. Yeah, man, I, I definitely would agree with, you know, everything you just said, man, because um, I think JPP is another one of those guys, you know, lunch pail guy comes in, does his job. And you need those guys like um, like that. That's the will get in your face and hold his teammates accountable. And I, I believe, man, that's the testament to Bruce's impact on his locker room, because that's the first thing Bruce said, you know, accountability. When he got when he took the job and it's rubbing off on, on on guys and it's like okay I have a job to do you have a job to do and if everyone does their job and does it well you know we'll be able to get this offense back on the field and give them opportunities to put six points on the board or three points we want six but you know and at the same time man I was uh before we uh got started today I was uh I believe it was, I was on Twitter. And on the Bucks account, they uh, they were talking about um, he had got into a little spat with Vita Vey, and he was just saying, you know, hey, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I actually made a mistake, and he made a mistake, and we, you know, we had a little spat, but it was just us holding each other accountable, and that's what everybody needs, man. And I I, I really like JPP. I really hope that he is a Buccaneer next year. Um, I hope he can restructure that deal because that number is a little high for me. Yeah. But <laughs> if we can bring that number down, bro, I would love to have him back for 2020, bro. Absolutely. You want to hope they can get something out because, again, we talked about JPP's contract not too long on the show. Buccaneers restructured. So instead of him having next year as a buck, he'll be a free agent following this season. So, yeah, you really hope a deal can get done between the Bucks and JPP because we've seen in the past – especially with Quan Alexander in the, nego- uh, in the negotiation period, the Buccaneers are really weird about giving those players a lot of money, especially coming back from injury. But right. I-, I think JPP has shown more than enough, even in these yes. three weeks that he's been back, that he should at least be in Tampa. So hopefully they can make something happen because you don't want to lose a guy like that in your locker room. Now, right. we talked about JPP and accountability. Let's go over some of the big headlines from the game. And following the theme of accountability, this is a big one. Now, of course, a Bucks win always calls for celebration, but a huge headline following Sunday's game was Vernon Hargraves being pulled from the game. When asked about it post-game, head coach Bruce Arian said that VH3 just wasn't hustling enough on uh, the first play of the second half when Kyler Murray found Andy Isabella for a 55-yard catch and run. Now... I'll say I agree with this move 150%. This is a tone setter, and this is a mentality that has not been inside one buck play since the John Gruden days. I'm all here for it. The fact that a guy like VH3, who in the past has been notorious for kind of loafing here and there, maybe making less of an effort than he should have, maybe this is an eye-opener for him because finally we have a head coach who sees it and has enough guts to say, hey, this isn't going to happen on my watch, so I'm going to throw those rookies out there, and if they lose us the game, you're going to watch from the bench. I'm, I, I like this move. Hopefully it makes something happen for VH3, because if he keeps playing the way that he is, he's not going to be a buck next year. Yeah, uh, yeah, bro. It's just, you know, like I told you on Twitter, bro, about damn time, man. <laughs> I, 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 
I haven't been the biggest Vernon Hargraves fan even since we, we brought him in um, in 2016. Uh, I always thought that, you know, he was a product of his system at Florida. Um, and and when he came in, I always just thought that he wasn't a suitable, you know, on the island guy. I think he's better suitable for, you know, in a dime, Nick, one of those type of packages. Right. Because, for one, he doesn't have that. And it's okay because everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses. For one, he doesn't, From to me, he doesn't have that, um, okay, I can line up on you and I don't need a safety behind me. Me, you can go one-on-one, may the best man get to the ball. He doesn't have that, so he needs that assistance. But if you line him up on the island like he's been doing, you see it's a recipe for failure. So I, I really have to commend Bruce on, you know, um, I held him accountable for his lack of effort, for his poor performance um, since he's been here. And I, I really feel like this should have been, this is a long overdue move. And if you remember, man, uh, Bruce has said something about his performance way back in uh, training camp. Yeah. So, you know, this has been brewing. So I, I think he was on Bruce's watch for a while. It's just like, okay, it's time to pull the plug, man. And like you said, bro, I'm going to bring these, rookies out here and if they can outdo you and they're just getting comfortable with learning the playbook in the system then we know it's you it's not all of because it's not Todd Bowles scheme you know it, it Todd Bowles has actually a decent scheme it's just the personnel has to execute it. right so I'm 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 extremely happy man I, my stamp of approval is is there and I, <laughs> <laughs> I just hope nothing but good things come out of this man give another younger guy a chance and you know hopefully they'll succeed yeah and it is a shame too because like i've said here on the show i think two years in a row i really wanted vh3 to do well i picked him as my uh like my comeback player for two or three years saying this is going to be the year and then the first year that i did it he went out and got injured and then he came out and he just hasn't shown us very much since then like you said um so it is a shame but it is a long time coming and when you're a first round pick after five years, you're going to be held up to a certain standard, and VH3 yes. has just not done what he needs to do to live up to that standard as right. a former first-round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then again, the uh, the speed that he has is just not good. Like, he, he plays. You can watch him. He's terrified of getting beat deep. Yes. You know, we, we used to make fun of the Mike Smith scheme because the corners would line up 10 yards away from the receiver. <laughs> but VH3 right. still does that. Like, he's still the only corner who does not, you know, bump and run because he just can't run with his receiver. You don't really see him get physical at the line because he does not have the speed to make up for it. Now, playing in the slot, that's a different story because we've seen him do well there. But in the nickel look on the island, like you said, he's just not what you would hope he'd be, especially a first-round draft pick. From the 2016 draft. And and here's another thing as well. That uh, that draft class is not looking too great right now. Yeah, man. It, it, it's like, you know, and, and specifically our division, the NFC South, man, we have a lot of big physical receivers. So we got Julio. We got uh, DJ Moore from Carolina, just to name a few. And, and, and even uh, Mike Thomas and New Orleans. So we have big guys that can definitely, you know, dominate their physical will on a smaller guy like him. Yeah. So I just wouldn't, ne- for the life of me, I just could never understand like, okay, 
why is he still out there? He had one good game to me, and that was early on this year when we played Carolina at Carolina on the um, I believe it was the Thursday night game. Yep. And he saved the game at the end to, for McCaffrey to force him out of bounds. But other than that, bro, it's just and I think that he kind of hung his hat off of that. Like, okay, well, I made a move. I can just chill. You know, I don't have to really be consistent like that. So, you know, I I, I saved the game one week so I can. Re- no, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that, bro. This is a 16 week schedule. Right. Everybody has their job to do every single game. And if you're not getting that done, unfortunately, you will be riding the pine. So. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens from here. I'm sure more answers will be uh, will be coming out before now in next week's game against the Saints. But there is a very real possibility that VH3 could be riding the pine for the rest of the season. You never really know. But <laughs> right. like I said, I'm sure we'll get something that comes out between now and next week. So up right. until this point, we've talked a lot about the defense. Let's flip the script and talk about the offense from Sunday. Now, Compared to the Seattle game, there wasn't very much explosiveness to the offense this week. Um, Play calling seemed fairly conservative for most of the game. But they did get down the field when it mattered, and it ultimately led to a win. Let's Uh talk about the biggest facets of that offense, in my opinion, on Sunday. Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Now, Peyton Barber had a solid day running the ball as he and Rojo split carries 50-50. I mean... They both had 11 rushes. Now, on 11 rushes for Peyton Barber, he had 43 yards and the go-ahead touchdown at the end of the game. And then Ronald Jones on 11 rushes had 29 yards and a touchdown on the second offensive drive. That particular touchdown put the Bucks up 7-3. to Now, you look at that stat line in general and you say, well, the ground game really didn't get going. And to be fair, it didn't. There weren't a whole lot of burst plays. I think Peyton Barber had one 17-yard game that he had. That was a big run on the day. But mm-hmm. let's look at Ronald Jones for a minute. Ronald Jones made up for a lackluster day on the ground. He had an awesome day catching the football. Eight receptions for 77 yards. And when you look at Rojo... It's nice to have a guy like that that you can throw to out of the backfield because I remember his rookie year, preseason, and the first few times that he was on the field because, you know, he only played, what, like seven snaps his rookie year? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I know a big concern for him coming out of that preseason was pass catching because he dropped a few balls that were concerning. Um, Right. He didn't drop very much on Sunday, and he showed that he does have that that ability to – make some plays out of the backfield when you throw the ball to him. So that was nice to see, and overall a pretty solid day for both of those guys. But Ronald Jones making the catches through the air, and then Peyton Barber, of course, with the game-winning touchdown at the end. I think if you're going to split carries, this is what you want to see, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. You you know, you want to see production out of both of your guys. You know, um, it, it was just great to see the overall growth from Ronald Jones, from, you know, him having a shaky start last season to the production that he's he is he's doing now and you can tell that he's very comfortable in the offense and you know like you said last season you know um being somebody that you could check the ball down to he was lacking that so to see I can tell he put in a lot of work this offseason and I remember at at camp and they were asking Jameis you know and different guys that you know that was on the offense and Jameis said 
you know, this guy is running with confidence. So I when when I went to a, 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 a scrimmage myself and I saw it, and I, I remember telling my cousin, I was like, "Hey man, he's gonna have a big year," and lo and behold, that that that's what happened. And Peyton Barber as well, man. You know, I I really feel like if they keep um, splitting the carries like that, you know, keep everybody happy. Obviously, somebody's gonna get it more than the other, but you know, I, it's a great thing to see, man. So it, and when we can get the running game established, the Bucks is a very the Bucks are, excuse me, a very dangerous team to deal with because right. you know you got the two studs, number twelve and thirteen, and then you got and if you got a ground attack, it's just like what are you gonna do? And you know, so it, it was a great thing to see, man. I'm I'm very, you know, satisfied thus far with our running game, bro. And and let's also kind of throw it out there: the last time the Buccaneers had a one thousand plus yard rusher in the backfield. That was number twenty-two, the Muscle Hamster, Doug Martin. Martin. That year, <laughs> yes. that year they went nine and seven under yeah. a dirt cutter coach football team. So the ground game is very, very important, especially to this Buccaneers offense. We've seen it over the years, but yes. it's nice to see these guys have production. Now, I'm the type of person I like Rojo to have more carries. I think he's yeah. done enough to prove to me that he can start over Peyton Barber because he's just the more explosive of the two runners. Right. But on a day like last Sunday against Arizona, it is nice to see that Peyton Barber can come up when he needs to. And that's the important part was that he mm-hmm. came up when he needed to, when he was asked upon, he went out there and he got his ass a touchdown to put the bucks ahead and ultimately close out the game. Exactly. So it was good to see now, Ronald Jones, I'm not going to sit here and say nothing but great things about him because he did have one bumbling mistake oh, on yeah, Sunday man. And I think a lot of people forgot because it was a very forgettable play as soon as it happened. Um, (laughs) He fumbled the ball. And, I mean, he didn't just fumble the ball. Like, he just – he was running full speed, and the ball just bounced right out of his hands. I don't know what the hell happened, but that was embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, bro. I I think maybe Casper was running behind him, and he poked the ball out because that's exactly what it looked like had happened. And – I was like, oh, my God, because when that happened, that was kind of like, I believe, the turning moment of the game because we were trying to get something. We were trying to get the horse out of the stable. If we would have scored on that drive, it would have pretty much put the game away. Uh, Correct. And it's like things like that, man. That's why I'm a firm believer in take care of the opposition while you're ahead. Keep your foot on their necks. Don't don't relax and think that, oh, you know, we got the game, you know, and in the, in, in the, um, down, you know, that it's done and things like that. And I'm not saying that that was Ronald Jones's mental, but stuff like that cannot happen because, say, if we didn't go back down and score, that would have been one of the, not saying the sole reason, but that would have been a, a big reason contributing why we would have lost the game. So you yeah. have to make sure, take care of the football. Ball security is very, very important. You know, so if you're going to carry it, make sure you protect it with your life because that could have easily went bad and went the other way for a touchdown. Yeah. So, you know, man, that was that was crazy. (laughs) All you can do is laugh about it, but you really hope he can kind of put it together next week. And that all comes with the confidence that you brought up. And I think Ronald Jones, as a runner, has enough confidence to really bounce back and make sure he doesn't make any more of those costly mistakes. Now, right. Let's talk about another piece of this Bucks offense that I am very, very, very disappointed in. Uh, it's Brashad Perryman. Oh, now, God. 
Buccaneers faced a deadline this week where if they released or cut wide receiver Brashad Perryman, they would get a fourth-round compensatory draft pick. Well, Guru, you and I know the Bucs. Of course, they didn't do anything to him, and they ultimately held on to him. He finished Sunday's game with two receptions for 17 total yards. Another pedestrian day for him on the stat sheet. But here's the thing as well. We were sitting in the end zone, and I was watching the game with my buddy Blake. You can actually, guys, if you want to check out his show, Buck and Blake at Bucks Report. He does a great job over there. He's got a lot of film breakdowns. This dude knows what he's talking about. We were talking about the game, and we were laughing and joking about it because Rashad Perryman was in single coverage all day long. Like, the Cardinals showed that they were not scared of Brashad Perryman at all. And after two receptions for 17 yards, they had no reason to be. Even on some plays where he was wide open, Jameis ended up picking a different read and threw that way. And to be honest, if he's wide open and Jameis throws to him, are you trusting number 19 to make that catch? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. I just, I think Perryman as a whole, I don't know why he ended up sticking around. I know the Bucks have a dilemma at wide receiver three. I know you don't really trust Scotty Miller because he had a, uh, a drop touchdown as well. Maybe not dropped, yeah. went over his head, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. he hasn't really shown up to the, uh, to the games either. But I don't know, man. Perryman's performance on Sunday is exactly why I think they should have let him go. Absolutely, man. And I feel like, that's another one on the roster that's, you know, uh, spoiling the bunch because um, I feel like he should have been let go after the Carolina game. He had a, a, a you know, such a, a bad performance. He He's not a good player. That's why he's bouncing around from team to team. And it's just like, bro, you are, you are a wide receiver. You have one job. Block for the running back when it's running plays and when your name is called, your number's catch the football bro he that guy cannot catch a cold man it is, <laughs> it's 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 crazy to me dude it's just like and the touchdown he got last week was, it was a fluke exactly he didn't even it mean just, to get it exactly and and when he caught that pass i tweeted i said wow Rashad perryman caught a pass that wasn't even intended for him uh, just imagine if he catched passes that was for him and it's just like Come on, man. Why is, like you said, why is he even still on the team? I believe out of those three, I like Justin Watson. Um, I don't, I don't know why he, I don't know, man. It's, it's, you know, and, and I have no idea, bro, but I don't think he should be on our team anymore, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on. Why is it such a hard time finding a, a decent slot guy? I'm not sure what's going on, but. He needs to be out of a job immediately. <laughs> and a name that you brought up was uh, was Justin Watson. We brought him up here on the show as well. I said this a few weeks ago when we talked about the wide receiver three position. I don't know why Justin Watson isn't getting more chances to go out there and make a play. And maybe it's something that this coaching staff sees that we don't. But I'd like to see number 17's name called up a little bit more because I feel like if you put him in a position that Rashad Perryman's in, he's going to come up with more of those catches and ultimately be more effective on the offensive side of the ball. Dude, I mean, you don't know what someone can do if you don't give him a chance. B.A. said it himself. You don't know a diamond in the rough if he's sitting on the bench. Exactly. Give give him a chance. Give Give him a chance. Give him more reps. See what he can do. But you... 
him just sitting there. But my thing is, bro, it's like we keep on going back to the same person that keeps on letting us down, disappointing us. It's like, what is this coaching staff is seeing out of not uh, Perriman that they're not seeing from Watson? Right. I just think, give him a chance, man. What's the worst he can do? He can't do any worse than Perryman. <laughs> right. And, now, and I think – sorry, bro, go ahead. I, and I, I just feel like, bro, it's like not only is Perryman a bad player, but he has crucial drops. It's not like he's, oh, I got to catch that next He's dropping passes that's like in crucial moment. So it's just like, get him out of here, man. Right. Now, with Justin Watson, you kind of look at the situation he's in. He's getting most of his reps on special teams. And I think this mm-hmm. coaching staff does like him on special teams because he right. made a good play on a punt return Oh yeah, on Sunday. He had a big tackle, blew up the returner, and that was yeah. cool to see. But you, you kind of think the coaches are more comfortable with him getting reps on special teams than they are with him getting reps at wide receiver. And again, maybe it's something they're seeing that we're not, but I think it's about time this kid gets a chance. Yeah, man. I mean, like like I said, bro, what's the worst he can do? Drop the ball? We've seen that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So talking about this uh, wide receiver three situation, the next guy that we're going to talk about isn't exactly a wide receiver, but someone coming back who has the potential to make us forget about the vacancy at wide receiver three. That's the return of big tight end O.J. Howard. Now, while Brashad Perryman didn't have the day he should have at wide receiver three, O.J. Howard had a day that makes me feel good about his place in the offensive game plan moving forward. Uh, Four receptions for 47 yards and a touchdown isn't O.J.'s best game by far, but for a guy who's coming back from injury, it was nice to see him in the end zone. And at this point, I can only hope he gets more targets moving forward. Because at the beginning of the year, first half of the season up until he got injured, he played primarily as a blocker. He took up a blocker role on the right side of the line because it just simply wasn't that good of a unit. Uh, Jameis Winston got sacked four times on Sunday, so I'm not going to say that the offensive line is a majorly improved unit. But when you've got all of your starters out there, they make their plays. And they look good enough and I think there's a lot of situations where if they can go out there and do their job for just long enough OJ has time to run a route get open and do the things that he can do as a next level tight end that we know he is I just I really hope he gets more targets moving forward yeah man you know uh, OJ is to me from seeing him play even in college to uh, him being with us for the two years that he's been here he's a volume guy the more touches and and that he gets, the, the the hotter he gets, and he gets in rhythm fairly quickly. And if you notice after the touchdown, man, he you know, it's like the more he gets it going, bro. You got to to me, you got to keep feeding OJ. Right. He'll slow down, and his temperature will drop if you if you put him back on the line to block. I, I think like I agree with you. He should get more targets. You know, he can. He, he drops passes here and there, but it's not a consistent level to the point where you don't trust him. Yeah. You put the ball in the air, more times out of not, he's going to come down with it. And he's shown that even going downfield some plays. I remember uh, um, before, I can't remember the game, but James had threw it really deep and he came down with it. So he has good hands. Um, he can run his routes pretty good. There's not much OJ can't do. You know, everybody has their weaknesses, but he can catch the football. You know, right. so it's just like, give it to him, put it in his area, 
and you'll see he'll come down with it, bro. Well, talking about Sunday and the crucial catches that he made, there was one dangerous throw. I mean, he had three guys, two guys around him, right on top of him, and he found a way to hang on to that football and came right. down with a catch, putting the Bucks in the red zone. I mean, he's the type of guy, you can throw a 50-50 ball to him, yeah. and he's going to get it, just like Mike Evans. But right. O.J. Howard, he's got that tight end build. He's huge, man. He's got that playmaking ability. So in the future, like you said, really hope he gets more targets. But really quickly, let's go over the offensive line because I brought them up. Again, Jameis got sacked four times on Sunday, so not a blockbuster day for them by any means. But they did have some highlights uh, there was one play in particular where Jameis dropped back, and, I mean, the pocket stayed in formation for four or five whole seconds. He went through every single one of his reads, maybe two or three times, before right. finally hooking up with Mike Evans to get a Bucks first down. But that was, I mean, that was exemplary blocking from the offensive line on that play in particular. Uh -huh. And... Uh, I don't know. I really hope they can get a little bit better in run blocking. It seems like what they lack is that major push. You know, you get some guys out there um, in run formation, and maybe they can make a hole happen, but when it comes to just running it up the gut, I feel like they lack that push that they should need. Now, the interior offensive line has become a strength of this team. I think uh, Chris from the Bucks Brief podcast, I saw him talking about that on Twitter but the interior offensive line looks good. Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and Alex Kappa, they are awesome. Donovan yeah. Smith and Tamar Dotson are wow. liabilities. Donovan yes. Smith being, you know, one of the highest paid offensive linemen on the roster, he's 50-50. Demar Dotson, he's been a solid talent for years and years, but he's just showing his age, and it is pretty sad to see. But you got to think that if the Bucks are going to look at offensive line coming up this offseason or in the draft, they're going to go with an offensive tackle. Yes. Um, yeah, bro, I, I would have definitely agree with you once again, man. Um, you know, the tackles are, you know, the biggest problem on that unit, man, both sides. Um, you know, I feel like um, Donovan Smith is stealing money. Um, I, I didn't he was he was OK before he got paid, but it never fails, man. I was just telling a friend of mine last night uh, we were actually watching the. Uh, the green, no, the the Rams and the Steelers, and once players get paid, I don't know what it never fails. Their performance drops. It's very rare that they get compensated and then they keep the same performance or even get better. So I think Donovan Smith is stealing money. Demar Dotson, like you said, he's showing his age. He was decent before, before, but you know, as you get older, your talent, you know, descends. So. Um, it's 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 one of those things, man, where we have to address that. And for the life of me, I don't understand why didn't we go after Tunzel for a trade. Hey, I, I wouldn't mind moving Donovan Smith for him. Um, I, granted, yes, he came from a different scheme. But, hey, man, at this point, we're trying to save our season. We got to, you know, desperate time comes for desperate measures. I, it's just like because if we draft a guy, you have to hope that they pan out and then you have to wait for them to develop. So it's just like we, we have to – that should be the first priority of needs coming up in this spring that the Bucks need to address. Offensive line uh, – well, tackles, rather. Yeah. So we need both sides, man. Now, you know? looking ahead towards the Buccaneers offseason, the way that I want it to play out – and, of course, everybody has their different agenda – but the way that I want it to work is in a perfect world, 
the Buccaneers go after a true number one cornerback to really help these young guys develop and get it together and not look so lost all the time. And to be fair, right. these past few weeks they haven't, but you just need a guy back there who knows what he's doing because VH3 is not the leader that we had hoped he would be after so long. Um, right. And then I want to see them go after offensive linemen, defensive linemen in the draft. You want to build yeah. in the trenches this draft because right. the Bucks have neglected to do that at all these past few years. They've put a bunch of young guys in our secondary, and so far it hasn't panned out the way that they had wished it would. Now, right. with an offensive tackle, you kind of brought up drafting a new guy. You want to hope he pans out and can get a hold of the system quickly, and I think Bouncing off of what we talked about earlier, I think the interior offensive line of this team is a good place um, or is a highlight on that offensive line. So if you bring in an offensive tackle with a rookie who can learn from a former All-Pro, Ali Marpet, probably one of the best guards in the game, Ryan yes. Jensen, who has really cleaned up his game this year. And Ryan Jensen, by the way, dude, he has got that mental game figured out. He got Chandler Jones <laughs> to take a swing at him and give up 15 yards on Sunday. He's been getting a right. lineman's skin for three weeks now, and I love to see it. <laughs> yeah. um, but Ryan Jensen and then Alex Kappa, who has really blossomed into another guard that, you know, he didn't get the chance that he deserved as a rookie, but from sitting on the bench and watching guys from behind and finally getting back in there, he is – he has done more than enough of his fair share on that right side of the line. I'm very happy with uh, the product he's put on the field. So you have to imagine that offensive line set, maybe Donovan Smith because he, uh, because he's on a big-ass contract, and then a rookie offensive tackle in the first round on the right side of that line. I think in two or three years, you've got developed into what could be a really, really good offensive line unit because there are the pieces there. And I yeah. think development-wise for that rookie, he's got a good group around him. I don't know, man. I, I, I like... I like taking an offensive tackle in the first round. I, I just that's the way that's where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I I, I definitely wouldn't be mad at that, bro. You know, uh, if we do if we do go uh, uh, DB or we do go after tackle, I, I wouldn't mind either way, as long as the um, the need the need gets addressed accordingly. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad. Like I said, either way, but. Um, we can get a guy, man, that can come in. And like you said, he has good, uh, you know, two, two, three-year guys. You know, obviously, Ali is the vet and can learn and get that system down packed, man, so we can protect number three going for years going forward. And I, I feel like I'm not I'm not going to throw James, keep throwing him a raft out in the river. But if you give the guy time, man, he'll make it happen. He can yeah. thread the defense, you know, he, pretty, you know, so. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Jameis this year. Yes, he does lead the NFL. Well, he's tied for leading the NFL in interceptions, but <laughs> he's leading the NFL in sacks. He's been sacked 30 times over nine games. I mean, I don't know yeah. what you expect a guy to do when he's sacked that many times, but the fact that he is still able to run around in the pocket, make plays happen, and on Sunday, just like we talked about, when he has time, Granted, it was four or five seconds. He'll make some things happen. So, yes, I'm confident that number three will be here next season. Uh, I think Bruce Arians is still going to be here next season. They're probably yes. going to franchise tag Jameis, give him a prove it year, and <laughs> right. uh, we'll see what he can do going forward. But it all starts with the trenches in front of him. Absolutely. And getting some more help on that offensive line will definitely do him some favors. Now, let's talk about a few more things from the game Sunday, and then we can break down and get out of here. First and foremost... Back on the defensive side of the ball is Ryan Smith. 
Um, you know, you really wouldn't have known that he was in, uh, he was in the game at all on defense because I think he only played one or two reps the entire game. And it's Mm -hmm. funny because last week we talked about Jamel Dean getting gassed and getting him some help out there. And one of the names that I brought up here on the show was like, why didn't Ryan Smith get any reps at corner? Well, this Sunday against Arizona, he showed us exactly why he isn't getting any reps at corner (laughs) because he got burnt for a huge touchdown. It just wasn't a good look for him. Nah, man. Uh, I mean, it, it, there we go again, talking about why guys aren't seeing the field. And it's like, bro, when we give you a chance, prove me wrong that you should be on the field. Instead of you're proving me right that we should leave you where you are, you know, uh, right. filling, filling up the water coolers for everybody. I know it's not high school, but you know, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's obviously, it's a... Uh, 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 was he guarding? If I'm not mistaken, he was guarding Fitz, correct? Or Christian Kirk? I think it was Christian Kirk. Okay. Well, you know, he got burnt, cost a touchdown. So it's just like, man, what what is going – why can't we connect and, and get guys that can play DB? I, I don't understand. I I don't know what it is, man, but – Oh man, it's 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 rough, bro. The second, <laughs> the, the second after, like we were just talking about, you know, what our uh, high priority needs, uh, D line, O line, we need to get uh, um, uh, um, DBs as well. We got to work on our secondary, like yesterday, man, because yeah. it's it's coming to like a state of an emergency, man. Like, because those guys <laughs> up front, they can't, they can't keep. It's like that's all we have. The, the right backers and the D line, that's it, bro. We can't trust uh, our uh, secondary for, for. I know I don't, man. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you know, no, I'm so. I'm with you 100. percent You look at the defense the Bucks put on the field. Number one run defense, and then number 32 pass defense. There really isn't much else to say about that one. Um, but looking at the secondary, I think kind of going back to the off season plan. I think really all they got to do is because you can admit and like I can say as well, these young guys, when they're all on the same page, they can all make some good plays. Oh, right? yeah. They showed us oh, some yeah. flashes. I think all they need back there is one or two veteran corners that not even an all star. You don't need a Patrick Peterson back there. Give right. me a Chris Harris Jr. Give me right. an Xavier Howard from Miami. Give me one right. of those guys who just know what the hell they're doing and can make things happen in a fashion to where these young guys can understand and they can not continue to make these mistakes. But, yeah, Ryan Smith, even though he's a multi-year guy, he is not the answer. And uh, he showed us this week that he should just stick to special teams. One more thing about this game that I thought was a lot of fun, so I saved it for last. Let's talk about it. Last drive of the game for the Bucks. It's when they're uh, coming up on the Peyton Barber touchdown to put them ahead. As they come out onto the field into the red zone, I hear over the speakers that number 50 is eligible. Yeah. <laughs> Vita Vea yeah. got some offensive snaps, and I don't know if people forgot about that because it was a very high-tense moment, but it was pretty funny to see Vita Vea lined up at fullback, and uh, they shifted him over to tight end for the Peyton Barber touchdown. But right. for those three plays that he was in, everybody on my side of the end zone was screaming, give <laughs> Vita Vea the ball. Because we wanted to see him, William Perry, his ass through that offensive line and uh, get into the end zone to put the Bucks up. But they talked about it after the game. B.A. was pretty happy about it. He said it's something Vita's been wanting to do, and maybe they'll try and throw him a touchdown later this year. But uh, 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting to see Vita Vea line up on offense. Yeah, man, it was it was something um, definitely a, a delight to see because that particular series uh, that was on the opposite end of me, so I couldn't really see uh, where I was. So I'd watch it on the jumbotron, and I was I was like, "Is that Vita out there, man?" <laughs> I thought they was gonna give it to him as well, and yeah. I was like, "Man, that is that'll be so dope, man!" But um, and then when we scored, I was like, man, this, you know, let, it was great to see us, man, have some fun. You know, of course, you got to take care of business. But, you know, hey, man, give the guys some some they've been working hard all week, you know, give, you know, so it, it, it was really good to see, man. It made it made all the fans happy. And, yeah. and that's what yesterday, bro, was even though, yeah, we beat the Cardinals or whatnot, but it was great to see man the fellowship of everybody happy leaving the stadium instead of like being pissed off right and fun and the the small amount of fans that were there it's it was just like you know the exchange of laughs and high fives bro it felt good man and it made everybody excited for this sunday coming oh yeah we had a lot of fun at the game i was out there you were out there as well evan was out there and uh shout out to my boy blake cabell buck and blake sports and then Johnny B, the Johnny B Show on 102.5 The Bone, you can actually hear him and I do the Bucks break every Monday night at 10 p.m. live on 102.5 The Bone. He came out to our tailgate. We had it bumping, dude. We were on the corner of Himes in Tampa Bay, right there next to the stadium. We had the loudspeaker going. We had catfish fried up, chicken, sausage nice. on the grill. It was an <laughs> awesome time. Went in, got to see the Bucks win, came back out and partied for a few more hours. So shout right. out to everyone who came out. But, yeah, the camaraderie. Uh, among fans after the game and just to see people back in Raymond James Stadium for the first time in over a month it was such a great feeling and it's days like Sunday that remind me exactly why I'm a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but a good game overall and a good team win for the Bucs now really quickly uh, to kind of make a comment on the Vita Vea thing yeah it was a lot of fun it was funny to see Um, but you also kind of think of the play calling aspect of it where like it, it did the box a favor play calling in the red zone because I was nervous that they were going to get to the one yard line following that penalty. I think it was a pass interference that put them all the way up there. Right. They were going to get to the one yard line and it was going to go first down, second down, third down. And then they were going to have to try and score a touchdown on fourth down. Like I was so nervous, but yes, to put yes. Vea in there in that situation and mix things up for an Arizona defense, because you know, the linebackers were like, all right, well, we're going to have to track this 310-pound uh, running back that just came into the game. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, overall, a funny situation. Glad the Buccaneers were able to pull it out and come away with a win. Yes. Awesome to talk about. But, ladies yes. and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for watching with video if you're watching on YouTube or BucksReport.com. And thank you for listening on any of our podcast outlets that you choose to listen to us on. Guru, my man, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, really quickly, how can the people find you on social media and where can they listen to your show? Um, uh, Thanks a lot, man. I'm a big fan of the show, bro. I listen to you guys religiously. YouTube, <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Uh, YouTube, man. And, and, and when I'm working... I li- I bumped you guys on my Apple podcast, bro. So I, it was it was great to finally come on, man. Um, where you can find me, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Guru Speaks Podcast. 
um, on Twitter, Guru813, and you can find me at uh, all streaming platforms that you can find, your pop, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Um, you know, check me out, man. I'm talking some real-life stuff, bro. But uh, once again, Red, thanks thanks a lot, man. This, this was great, bro. Thanks for coming on, man. We had a really, really good time. So, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check out Guru and his podcast as well. Thank you for listening to the show. You can follow us on social media. The show is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All of those Cannon Fire Podcast. If you search it up, you will find us. You can also follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, maybe I'll follow you back. Before we get out of here, I do have to give a kind word to our sponsor, Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you need an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. These guys do it all. Wide format, banners, decals, vehicle, apparel. Speaking of apparel, make sure you get your hands on some brand new Cannon Fire Podcast merchandise. We got shirts on sale for $20 and stickers for $5. Any sticker is included for free with a purchase of a shirt. All of those thanks to Pinecrest Printing. Make sure you give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Guru, and we'll catch you guys next time. Go Bucks. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.